Halfway through the season, episode 15, season 3 of the Bearded Carcast, recorded in front of a live studio audience. And you're, you're campaigning. You want us to become politicians and go door to door and go, hello, I'm Mike, I'm Dave, will you please listen to our podcast? And while you're listening, leave a review. <laughs> you can email it's the show. It's a door to door campaign. It is a door to door campaign. If you hear a knock at your door and it's a little bit of a strange hour, don't call the police. It might just be two guys hoping that you'll listen to their podcast. Well, and so I guess we need like uh, uh, pins, right? And the bumper stickers. Well, mine is going to say math. Math? Yeah. yeah. Or doc? No, no. Well, my, I, I'm going to go with the, uh, that. that's Andrew Yang's thing. Is he oh, has the, oh, yeah. He has the math pin. Math pin. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I like analytics. You and do numbers, like analytics. So I, I'm just going to go with the math pin. So They're going to think I'm campaigning for Andrew Yang, which I'm not right. doing. I'm just campaigning for podcast listeners. So are you going to apply for the assistant general manager, vice president of football operations for the Panthers? Well, I mean, you know, I'd be in the market so they wouldn't have to move me. <laughs> they wouldn't have to move you. Right. You've done, what, nine or ten seasons of, of calling games? Not to mention how many podcasts. And, and, well, that's, that's a Every that's a podcast given. before we start, you go, what number is this? And I go, I don't know. You want me to look it up? So we're so good with numbers, yes. we can't even remember what, what season are we in? What number are we Season in? three, episode 15. What's our record picking games? Uh, I don't have any I've clue. Lost. I think. I mean, I'm generally I've come back to the pack. I've yeah, lost. I'm generally aware that we're both a few games over five hundred. I think is roughly where I'm at. Yeah, that's about right. Sounds right. right. But we cannot keep track of that. But <laughs> certainly, based on not being able to keep track of that, we could keep track of the salary cap. Maybe and all Alyssa the could nuances. keep track of that for us. Yeah, we could have somebody in the live Our studio. St- live studio audience. Yeah. Well, it's, it's but we do have a request for those in the live studio audience. They have to, at some point, hit play on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and either listen twice or... I told you this story, I think, about when I was a freshman in college, and it was hard to get an airtime to be on the radio station, and we had a friend that lived on my floor who grew up in LA and he was given like a DJing shift from like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. on Tuesday or something and he told all of his friends hey hey you don't have to listen but if you would turn the sound down just so that it's on and I get good ratings like I don't think that's how it works actually it does now sort of only if you have the radio on and somebody has one of those personal people people meter reading so please take all your devices turn yeah. on the bearded carcass we don't care right. if you're listening your review can be no idea never listened just click on play every time actually, this is a great idea you could actually listen on stitcher itunes and SoundCloud. sound cloud not SoundCloud. stereo cloud. well no no do it three different times or you could do it all at once, like just hit and then just listen to one, and then we get credit for three. I times. like the idea of a studio surround sound where yes, you've got it yeah. playing on on different applications like all at once. I like it. Well, and you can do it on a mobile app. It too. would immediately yeah. triple our listenership. It would be. Well, fantastic. I know some people listen in their cars uh, when they're driving in. So send us a review uh, and email us. We always like to. Uh, we, you know, we haven't uh, dipped into the mailbag lately. Maybe we'll take a look at that. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have time. Sent us. There's actually big news to talk, big news to talk about. Something has happened. We've been talking about this for years. Ron Rivera is no longer coaching the Panthers. I almost said he's no longer with us. He is still, <laughs> still, he's he still, is still with us. He's still us. with us. Yeah, he's just on a four-week vacation until uh, until uh, you know he starts looking for another job. Or uh, what's interesting is he could start – he has a head start on uh, – some teams, if they decide to make some choices before Black Monday. Right, well, we season. can talk about it from Ron's perspective at some point. Yeah. But let's talk about it from a Panthers perspective, and specifically a Dave Tepper perspective. Why now? Well, if you believe what uh, – and I have no reason to suspect he was not truthful with this, but you know what Dave Tepper, I think, thinking was, there's already uh, – Washington's already announced. There were a couple teams that you, you know that they're going to be coaching changes at the end of the year, and you cannot – I don't think you can you can't necessarily directly talk to people, but I, I don't know that there's anything against agents. Maybe you can talk to Urban Meyer. Feelers. Yeah, you can talk to Urban Meyer. So there, I think there are, there's twofold. One is getting ahead of the competition. I believe him, and, and frankly, look, what this guy's career about was on on the business side and was getting ahead of winds of change and, and, and figuring out trends before everybody else knew that. So from a competitive standpoint, he wanted to make sure the Panthers were in the best position to find that next head coach. More information. He's an information guy. He's and an the decision guy. had been made. Well, he, I think he had made the decision, or, or at least was probably at 80 or 90% a couple weeks ago, and says, you know what, 
I'm going to let this play out a little bit longer. And then after the two disappointing home losses, um, I think he felt, you know, why let's just cut the Band-Aid off. And I also think, and I think he was genuine about this, Dave, is uh, he really likes and respects Ron Rivera. And I think by letting Ron go now, you don't let him tw- – you know, he's not going to have to answer four straight weeks of, are you safe? You feel good about your job. You feel good about your job. You feel Are you safe in your job? Um and, again, I think – and I know we'll talk maybe a little bit about this later, but it, it does give Ron Rivera now a jump up on really researching and figuring out what, what jobs he wants to go after coming up next. And I think there's value in that. Um, look, Do you agree with the decision? I think it was going to happen. I, 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 this team wasn't going to make the playoffs. I, I'm not even sure now they're going to go 9-7. and seven. I mean, the best-case scenario is they win four games in a row. That's, that's a, I don't care who's coaching the team. Newt Rockney. Uh, could come out, not, and I'm not saying they're going to. They go don't have good enough players to do that. Well, it is the NFL, and I think if you uh, look, these guys are going to be motivated. I, the, the, I don't know if this is an unintended consequence or an intended consequence because this wasn't said, and it has to be flushed out more. I think this also was a tremendous message to the players, like, hey, you, you know, this is not acceptable. What's well, the old Bill Walsh? Bill Walsh gets the job with the 49ers. He looks around the locker room and he says. You guys were the worst team in the league last year. If you get cut from this team, it's not like somebody's standing by waiting for your services. Right. You're going to be unemployed. He's like, now, don't get me wrong. I'm in the same boat as you are. I just got a job coaching the worst team yeah. in the league. It's not like a better team called my name. This is the one that said, how would you like to work here? So, yeah, if you're one of the players and your leader just got tossed out the door, you should be looking at yourself in the mirror at some extent. Well, I will say this, and Ron Rivera mentioned this it's fair, but it, this is a results-based business, so it doesn't matter whether it's fair or not. Um, you know, for two years, they did not meet expectations. Part of that, maybe most of that, was the fact that their franchise quarterback, former MVP of the league, uh, has been injured. Uh, no way, no two ways around that. Um, but I think, Dave, that this – I think what the reason why the timing came down now was – they were in positions to win games this year, regardless of that fact, and they were still unable to close the deal. I mean, they had four games where they had the ball late in the game, uh, you know, inside the five-yard line, chances to tie or take the lead in games, and they, they failed on all four of those games. That's I, the straw that broke the— I think that's the straw that broke the camel's back. And, yeah. and, and I agree with that. That being said, what did you make of— the way the Panthers presented it. Everything that's gone on the last couple of days from Tepper's interview with Bill Voth to the press conference with Ron, the framing of it, the presentation of it. Well, I think it was masterful in the sense of the team has been able to to get out in front of the, the narrative on all of this. Uh, and I think they executed it pretty well. Look, it was funny. I had a plan C meet. I'm in this Charlotte networking group, and we actually talked about that uh, afterwards. Um, it is so rare that a head coach has the opportunity to talk with the team after he's been let go, um, and then actually has a press conference at the team's site. And then, as you mentioned and referenced, uh, there were a lot of great messages uh, from on the team website. There was uh, stuff on the team's social media about uh, about the dismissal and thanking Ron. And that that's a tribute to the man who Ron Rivera is. And he's a guy that's very well-respected, very well-liked. He's a, he's a people person. and If he's so well-liked, though, why is he unemployed? You can be a good person, and the job just stops becoming a good fit for you. So did he do a good job? I think so. He had three straight years of winning a division title. He took a team to the Super Bowl. I mean, how many coaches out there right now would you, if you were an owner, would you fire and put Ron Rivera ahead of? Me personally, I don't think Ron Rivera is a very good coach, so not a lot. Do I think he's going to get a new job and do I think he deserves one? 100%. Because the applicants available are crummy, mediocre, unproven. He's proven that he can be an adequate coach. He has not proven he can be a Super Bowl winning coach because he has not won a Super Bowl. I, have kind of, I kind of equate him to, um, he reminds me a lot of Joe Torrey. In the sense that, you know, tactically, maybe not the best tactician, game manager. Um, And and, and then that there's a track record of that. This is not a. Everyone likes him. Yeah. But I think he's good at managing people. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. When you think of the best coaches, Bill Belichick or 
you know, the one that is personally meaningful to you and I would be Greg Marshall, who coached at Winthrop. Or you know how much a fan I am of Bob Huggins. Or maybe it's A.J. Hinch in baseball. Or Greg Popovich in basketball. Those people aren't necessarily well-liked. They tend to be difficult. They also tend to be great at their job. What we hear about Ron Rivera is precisely the opposite. Great guy. Everybody loves him. Well, Joe Torre is in that vein, too. Not a lot of people had bad things to say about Joe Torre. Now, different sport. you know. Yeah, you know. I just like, like the way Popovich treats the media is crummy. But he's a great coach. Greg is a difficult personality. He wears on people, but he's a great coach. I think he's. I, I, I think, think he's kind of changed a little bit, though. Like I don't think he's as crusty as he was. Oh, I, and I and I agree with that. And I'm not saying that Ron is awful at his job, but all of the praise we're hearing, none of it has to do with him coaching football. It has to do with him as a great person and him as a good leader and him as a role model and him as a father. No one is jumping up and down and going, man, what a phenomenal football But here's coach. the difference. In a league that is designed for you to go 8-8 eight and eight every year and, 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 and take the Patriots, they're an outlier. Uh, everybody rides the wave in the NFL. You, you have good years, then maybe you're down, you come back up, you know, for the most part, right? And I think in that kind of environment, uh, he has been successful. He's won division titles. He's gone to the Super Bowl. They've won playoff games. He's done all that. And he's been able to do that as a good human being and um, trying to be a role model for his players. When he said that, and I don't know who complained about this. This sounds kind of silly to me that somebody would complain about this. But when he addressed in his press conference that uh, some people said that, you know, questioned why his wife and his daughter were around so much and his daughter works for the team, uh, and he was like, I wanted to show, be a positive role model. I wanted to show guys how to treat women. Uh, you, you would never hear that out of Bill Belichick. I mean, it, it, it's a different dynamic. No a, it's a one different dynamic. can ever question Ron Rivera the person. Everything he said and everything he's done makes you think, what a great dude and what a great role model. And his 76 and 63 record and 3-4 and four mark in the playoffs – Makes you think he's pretty good, but that's better than half the coaches coaching right now. Probably more than half of yeah. the coaches. He's At least above five hundred. Yeah, but the last two years he's twelve and sixteen, and you can make excuses. But but like, here, there, there's two things I do want to bring up. One is something actually Bud Childers told me, uh, former women's basketball coach here, and was it when he told you that that's a, tr- a true professional? <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Uh, it, it, this was kind of more in the. Uh, academic, but I, I think it makes sense. He said, you know, coaches have a shelf life. And he, he felt like in an athletic department, usually it was about eight years. Um, and that's everything being constant. The athletic director being there, you being there, like no changes. Uh, you, know, you know, eventually, you know, the message kind of gets stale. There are outliers, there are exceptions. Mike Krzyzewski, he's been at Duke forever. You know, obviously he's won a lot of games. You know, winning, let's be, and let's be honest, winning is the great antidote to everything, right? If you're winning, a lot of times things can get, can get sprayed out. Um, we're not in this position if the Panthers are seven and five right now, right? And and, and the thing is, Ron's going to get another job, and my guess is he's going to be modestly successful in that job. I mean, my guess is it's not going to be he goes to Denver, gets Peyton Manning, and is the best team in the NFC or the AFC. And my guess is he's not going to go somewhere and immediately fall on his face. He's going to be okay because that's what he is. He's an okay coach. Now you're Dave Tepper. You've taken over a team. Maybe the message has gotten a little bit stale. You're going to bring someone in. Do you think Dave Tepper knows who he's going after? Because how often do we, the media, and we individually say, if you fire someone, you better hire someone better than them. So Dave Tepper is no dummy. Think he knows who he's hiring? I think he, I, my guess is from, I would even say before he bought the team, uh, as a, mu- a minority uh owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then knowing he was getting in the process of buying a team, I would imagine as as analytical and analytically based as he is, that he probably has a short list of about five to ten guys. And knows one of them will take the job. I would think think he – yes. Now, now, again, 
a lot of times when we talk about things, there's, there's about maybe five or ten percent or fifteen percent of information that's out in the domain, and the rest of it is is hidden back. So we don't know. Uh, you know, are some of those people employed? Are they, you know, we don't know all, all the, of course, you have to know the names to know all that. But I, I, my guess is he probably already has in his head uh, a number of guys that, that, that he wants to target. I think the most interesting thing that has come out in the last several days is not that Ron Rivera was fired and is not that Ron's exit has been portrayed as kind of, you know, we, we loved having him here and it was time to move on. It is the I, I, I in the Dave Tepper statement. It is the I will begin a search for a new coach. I am hiring an assistant general manager. I am doing this. There is no question who is in charge of this deal. No, It's I mean, not going to be a board of directors right, that comes right. to a decision. Well, he is the owner. I mean, he doesn't have minority owner. I mean, he, But a lot of people hire a search firm yeah. and then hide behind them. If he hires a new coach that wins the Super Bowl, Dave Tepper wants the praise. And if he hires a new coach and they go 2-14, and 14, he's happy to wear that bullet on his back. Who does that sound like to you? Who does that sound like to me? Daniel Snyder and Jerry Jones. Hmm, interesting. Because uh, I've I've heard that's not necessarily fans, a bad thing. No, right, right, no. I, I've had some fans come up to me and, and message me and, and and mention those two names. I, the one thing I would say that's different. I mean, Jerry Jones, you could say obviously the early success. Well, and Tepper's not going to serve as the general manager. Right. I don't. Think. No, 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 no. And the one thing that I think separates him from the other two guys is that it, it appears to me that I don't think Dave David Tepper is going to do anything rash. Now, some things may appear to be quick, like the decision to run Rivera, but I don't think it was a rash decision. I agree. It's just the I, I, I of it makes me think he might make great decisions. He might make bad decisions. He might hire people and then give them the autonomy. But, but, look, at to, his, but look at his career, Dave. I mean, he's been kind of ahead of the curve in a lot of different things. It just seems like so different than what we've had in Charlotte for the last 20 years. Well, he, he, it's not only, he is a different type of owner. Um, and I think it's capital-based, I mean, or financially-based. And I mean that because he doesn't have to answer to anybody. Um, but he also, he can afford to make him like – he makes a mistake on a ten million hundred, you know, ten million hundred million dollar contract. I mean, it's a lot of money, but it, comparatively for him, it's not a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a lot of money it's for like us, watching but. Shark Tank when they go, "Oh, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars for ten percent," and then you think about how little a hundred thousand dollars is to Mark Cuban, yeah. and it's like, "Oh, sure, I'll make that donation. If it doesn't work, I'll write it off." Yeah, I mean, like it's just not that much money. No, um, look, it is. You make a good point, though. This is completely different than how this franchise was run before under the Richardson family and Jerry Richardson. And I thought the interesting thing in the—I think it was—I don't know if it was in the Bill Vote piece or if it was in the one of the discussions he had with the media afterward. But when he said, uh, you know, when I came in here, I had to make a decision on the business side first because that was a disaster. Yep. Um, and, and the reference to that is is that— when I don't know five or six years in, maybe closer to ten, um, Jerry Richardson had paid off the mortgage on the stadium. So basically, anything after that they were making money on. And Jerry made the decision that um, when you went to Bank of America Stadium, it wasn't like a NASCAR car or a NASCAR uniform. I mean, everything was orderly. It wasn't it was, for profit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was he for wanted profit, to not, make money on it, yeah. but he did not need maximize. it to be he a cash cow. He didn't. He didn't want to maximize the dollars from it. He was happy to take the NFL's television contract money, add to it his season ticket yeah. money, and have you know a couple of. But nice that also landed us the 2010 season when he didn't want to spend anything. And going into obviously going into that whole. Uh, lockout and all that business, all that jazz. And, and he f did feel a responsibility because he had a ton of minority owners. To a large degree, it feels like it went from Al Davis, whose business was the Raiders, to Jerry Jones, who has business interests and also happens to own and have a very large mouth, the Dallas Cowboys. Well, uh, to me, it's more like a he's David Tepper has kind of revolutionized the owner model in the sense of it's a throwback to the days when you did have a single owner, um, but the difference being 
instead of being a wealthy guy that this was like having a yacht or a plane and something he could show to his friends, David Tepper is going to do all those things, but he also wants to make sure that this thing is going to maximize and he's going to get the, the revenue that he feels is warranted from this type of product. This is the Beard and Cardcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Thanks for joining us. Please leave us a review. You can listen on iTunes and Stitcher. Send us an email, beardedcardcast at outlook.com. We have a lot to get to, but there's still more to talk about with the dismissal of Ron Rivera, Dave Tepper's role, and you can't move on from this topic without talking about Cam Newton. How does he play into this? Did Cam Newton get Ron Rivera fired? That's a great question. Uh, when you say that, the, the, the question implies a, a sense of purpose, I think. I, I don't think intentionally, obviously, but I think circumstantially, yes. Uh, uh, and Ron even said this in his, in his press conference on uh, Wednesday morning. He said, hey, up until the Pittsburgh game last year, you saw what a healthy Cam Newton could do, right? Then uh, it gets hurt in the Pittsburgh game, and then – slowly deteriorates. Uh, and then fast forward into this season, he just wasn't the same over the first two games. Um, now, the offensive line has had a bunch of injuries. that They've had some promising draft picks, but those guys have gotten hurt. So it's been a revolving door there. Uh, you know, you mentioned we mentioned those four plays. Uh, to me, I, Honestly, I don't know that it's Cam Newton as much as um, the inability to have a healthy, solidified offensive line. Ron said attrition finally got to him this, he felt. Um, you know, they can only survive so many injuries. You know, no K-1 short on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I think it was the perfect storm of circumstance. Uh, I know you can't use injuries as an excuse, uh, but I think sometimes you, you can look at th- that there is a role that injuries do play, and I think it finally caught up with this team. So we have talked a lot about Cam Newton and his future. Obviously, if his future is in Charlotte, it is going to be with a new coach. When... Dave Tepper makes the decision to move on from Ron Rivera. In any way, does that affect the decision on Cam Newton? Well, a lot of people have suggested the timing was interesting, that as soon as it's announced that Ron was being let go, the team was parting ways, that he was going to have that surgery. I don't know if there's a correlation. I mean, look, he's gone to see experts. You know, maybe the, it, it came down to, uh, you know, this was the right time or, you know, or maybe it was the right diagnosis, the right comfortability with the doctor. You know, we, we, we have to vet all that out. That is, I don't know, I've had a bunch of conversations in the last 48 hours, and it keeps coming back to, to that, Dave. I, you know, obviously, I don't know the answer to that. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, the new assistant GM slash VP of football operations, you know, what his two cents are going to be. But does it? This could be a Dave Tepper call. I, 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 the most marketable player, the best player, the former MVP, right. well, the well, guy that took well, you to the Super Bowl. Before you cut me off, so he's going to have a say in it. Obviously, uh, Marty Herney's going to have a say in it. The new coach is going to have a say in it. Now, the final decision is going to be Dave Tepper's. Um, and probably, if you would consider – Drafting Cam Newton as arguably one of the most important decisions at that time for the franchise. Uh, now, what you do uh, with Cam ten years later, uh, this is obviously one A or one B with Ron Rivera, you know, firing and now decision on Cam Newton. Two of the biggest decisions that David Tepper is going to have in his like. Early do tenure. you ultimately think though he's going to hire an assistant GM and he's going to let Marty and the GM make the call on Cam? Or do you think Dave is going to make the call? My personal opinion is he is going to want their voices heard and then he's going to say no. Well, let me put it this way. If he agrees with them, he might say, okay, let them announce, hey, this is what we're doing. But if, if maybe this is something that he goes against them, it'll be his decision. Okay. But that's just a guess. Where do the Panthers fit now in the landscape of their division? We're talking about a division where, yeah, the Panthers have a question about what they're doing with Cam Newton at quarterback, but Matt Ryan is not young. Drew Brees is not young. Jameis Winston is— Right. So, like, when you look at where the Panthers are, 
every team in the division it faces semi-similar questions. Well, and the, the, the tenure of Dan Quinn is, I think, st- somewhat of a question mark. Right? I mean, he, when you look at hot seat lists, I mean, his name's on it. Uh, and wouldn't it be ironic if that's where Ron Rivera lands? I don't know if that's where he would go, but um, that would be kind of interesting. I think that that may have played a part in it too, Dave, because one thing that you've heard about— Do you look at the division and go, man— the consistency of Sean Payton, they're one of the best teams again this year, and we're playing to try to reshuffle our organization and be second best? Or do you go, Drew Brees is about to be gone. Tampa Bay's situation is no more stable than the Panthers. Same thing for Atlanta. We reshuffle the deck here. We could be the power in this division in a year or two. Well, I think it's a combination of everything you've just said in the sense of, if, well, if anyone said to me, we're going to play for second best, I'd say you're fired. Um, now, you do have to be realistic in your expectations, but I, I think, no, you look at the landscape, and I think you say, look, the Panthers right now, they still have Luke Keekley, you know, right in the middle or towards, you know, right at the edge of his prime, whether it's smack dab in the middle or closing toward the upper end, but he's still in his prime. Shaq Thompson has been getting better. They've, they've basically had the, the most – consistency they've had at the secondary position which still isn't what it needs to be um no they have had some issues on the defensive line offensively you have christian mccaffrey who's an mvp candidate i'm not saying he's gonna win the mvp maybe but he's an mvp candidate um you know you have some young wide receivers coming up as well you know quarterback's gonna be a a big position i think they're in a position dave and i think this is why everything's kind of being reshuffled right now is looking toward a long-term run and if you listen to what david tepper said not just most recently, but since he's been here, you know, everybody wants to try to do the Patriots model. That's tough to do, but you do want to have put yourself in a position for long term success. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, they did what they did. One other big piece of Dave Tepper news is it seems like there's a 99.9% chance that he is going to be the newest owner in Major League Soccer and Charlotte is going to get a big league soccer team. I think this is something he's been aiming for for a while. I think this is one of those things where initially the MLS wanted to slow play their decision on the next team. And he said, I would be your richest owner. Here is the proposal. Take it or leave it. And because MLS is apparently pretty well run, they said, we're not running away from that sort of money. We'll take it. What does this mean for the landscape of Charlotte sports? It tells you that First of all, when David Tepper says something, he means it. He's been talking about you know maximizing Bank of America Stadium. Now the assumption is that they would play there. Uh, that is not what MLS has repeatedly done in the last say five to ten years. Again, when, but you cut me off because you know we haven't really seen the final plans for what's going to happen in Rock Hill. So that may be. I think though you're right. I think they are going to play at Bank of America Stadium. I think Dave Tepper walked in and said, I have a gigantic bank account. We have an NFL stadium. We may be getting a new NFL stadium. And I want to put my money and my clout behind this. Take it or leave it. And they said, well, the stadium's not perfect. And we kind of have to rush the decision. But yeah, for that guy, we'll make an exception for him. Yeah. Well, in the the Revolution play at, at uh, Gillette, so it's not unprecedented to play right. in, a, in an NFL stadium. Uh, I, no, I, I believe there would have to be some work done on the lower bowl um, field wise. I mean, they play soccer in they that do, stadium. They do, I do. But I think if you're gonna if you're gonna play uh, a full uh, season, I think you might need to. And I'm not an expert. Uh, you on you that, may be right. I and I think Tepper long term thinks he's getting a new stadium, so it's irrelevant. I well, mean, and, and you know, one thing you keep hearing is that you know. Among the renovations that they would like to do is some sort of field level club. So maybe in making some adjustments to that lower bowl, if you have to, you know, widen things a little bit, maybe you can incorporate. Uh, and maybe that's the pitch to the city. Yeah. At one point, we're asking you to build a new stadium for a 16 game NFL season, eight at home, a couple preseason games, maybe a playoff game or two. And now, oh, by the way, I just added another tenant that's going to play another 20 games here. Well, when you look at it, right? And I think part of the reason why moving the Knights uptown, I mean, it was a no-brainer f- for a million reasons, but one of the reasons was getting people used to going uh, uptown full, full for the entire year. You know, obviously people are used to coming in the, in the fall for football and then coming in the winter and early spring for basketball, but, you know, 
now you're going to have you know, literally all year long sporting events going on uptown, and so it's, it's going to drive people to the center city. Again, that's the assumption that MLS is going to be played there. Because um, you could either – there was also one discussion I remember early on about you know extending the light rail down to Rock Hill and maybe playing down here. Or maybe they do a, a, a cross thing. You know, Maybe they do some games there. I don't know that you do that. but So, I, I, you know, look, anytime you can bring a major league quote entity – into Charlotte, and, it, and the MLS is is major league in the sense of soccer in America. It, it you know it it still in popularity. I think it still lags behind, you know, all four major sports. It's still I, I think among, I don't know about that. Well, among it definitely kids, lags well, behind in, the in, NFL. In the, the younger M- demographic, it it's prob- it probably surpasses baseball. Well, I, well, hockey is the one. I think it, I yeah. think it's as popular, and particularly among a younger demographic, I think it's more popular than hockey. And like you said, baseball is an old person sport, and it wouldn't be surprising to me if it is as or more popular, or at least in the future is, than baseball. But I don't know that it's more lucrative. No, I I, I don't either, and I suspect it's not because baseball has all those home dates. Right. I think and this, same with hockey. I mean, I don't. I mean, obviously, I think this is a long term killer for the Knights. Just an absolute killer. Are you a minor league city or are you a major league city? If you have the Panthers, you have one major league entity. If you have the Hornets, you have two major league entities. Now we're bringing in a third major league entity in a soccer team. I grew up in the Bay Area. They have the A's and the Giants. They have the 49ers and the Raiders. They have the Warriors. They have the Sharks. Over the years, there have been a lot of minor league teams that have tried to hack it. They've all gone out of business. If you're a major league city, people do not support minor league sports. They look at themselves as bigger and better than that. All right. Now, here's where I will counter that because I think in a lot of respects, I understand where you're coming from. A couple times, uh, Knights have gone up against uh, like Pole Night, which draws you know, 70,000, 85,000 people a night. Uh, on the same night, a playoff game for the Hornets, or a, a very important le- regular season game. You know, we had close haven't to been a, many playoff games for the Hornets over yeah, the years. Yeah, had, had close to a sellout, um, or we did sell out. And that, granted, that was early years of Bank of, uh, BB&T Ballpark. The Knights are entrenched here uh, as the baseball option for entertainment. Now, yes, competition from corporate dollars. And maybe some fan support, but I think people that are going to go to MLS games maybe aren't going to go to a lot of Knights games. Interesting. You I, think it's a different audience? I do, and I don't. I and, I and honestly, I think a lot of the people that go to baseball games maybe wouldn't go to. Uh, I think an it's MLS your game. thirsty Thursday crowd. It could be. Well, here's here's the thing, though. Um, are we talking? You know, if they're playing on Thursdays, maybe. And, and, and look, the well, one- and that's it. There's so many more nights, days. Yeah. Like, like we're still only talking about 20 soccer games. Right. That leaves a lot of days where the nights are the only game in town. But if you've gone and seen the soccer team on a Wednesday, are you well, spending the, your I money think, again on the nights on a Thursday but, or a Friday? But I think the bigger hit, though, Dave, is um, you know what's going to impact. I think the nights this year. They just announced a uh, like a smorgasbord concert. I think Joan Jett and Def Leppard or something like that. All three concerts that have been announced are going up against Knights home games. So that, I think, again... And we've seen the Knights smartly in recent years duck Panther preseason games because you don't want to compete with that. Well, and here's the thing I would say about that. Um, Preseason games, you can't do anything. Like, moving uptown, the team knew exactly that was going to happen. Okay. Um, The last couple of years, FanFest has been added on. And a couple times they've gone head to head with uh, Panther, uh, with Knights and uh, Panther Fan Fest has gone head to head. And you know, again, we've held we've held our own. We've had pretty good crowds for those. Um, now, what's interesting is change in philosophy, change in ownership. Before Jerry Richardson, I think what were there, like two concerts in the history of right. Bank of America Stadium. Um, so, so now it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm not suggesting in any way that the Knights are going to go out of business or hemorrhage money or anything like that. No, no, no. The ballpark is freaking phenomenal. Well, it's I not- just think the days of leading the International League in attendance, the days of being new and cool and hip, there are more options. When there are more options, it naturally is going to take away from that. Yes, if, and here's the big if, if you don't make the corresponding competitive moves to uh, continue 
to improve the product as far as the game presentation. Not not the on. I mean, you, the Knights don't control the on-field product, but as far as you know, promotions and uh, on-field games and uh, making it fun. Uh, I, I this is and, and I want to be clear about this because I'm not saying this is an issue with with all this new stuff that the Panthers are doing or even MLS coming in because I do think it's it's a different audience base. Um, where I think the challenge is going to be is, is in infrastructure um, because the Knights share a lot of the same parking facilities with the Panthers. So when when all these events are going on at the same time, um, you know I think it's going to be a it's going to be a huge lift, no pun intended, for. Uh, obviously, the rideshare stuff, but also uh, the light rail and public transportation. Oh, I agree completely. So it's, it's but it, it may it may lead to more infrastructure. Uh, you know, and looking, I know there's this talk about extending the or or, or doing another uh, light rail. Uh, this one will be more east to west from like Matthews to the airport, and I think out to Gastonia. And again, that's but that's long term. I mean, that's like ten there, years down the there's road. A, this is a lot of long term talk. I mean, but at some point, do you get to the point? You've got major league. Soccer, yeah, you've got. But here's the other NFL thing, NFL football. Right, but, but here's what you're not considering: uh, Charlotte of ten years ago. No way in the world does any of this happen. Absolutely, um, people continue to move here. The city continues to grow. Businesses continue to move. I think they're growing out of the minor leagues. I think we're going to be in a position where. Well, the bigger if, question is: is you know, do the Rays move here? And I think that's maybe what you were trying to lead MLS me to. MLS is successful. Right. The NBA is successful. The NFL is successful, and baseball has several franchises with bad stadiums, uncertain futures. A hundred people move to Charlotte a day. You've gone from a minor league city that appropriately had well, has minor league the window sports. Of coming to Charlotte? I mean, that's I don't a legitimate know. question. I mean, major league baseball, right? But like, like, why would they have? Like if if somebody well, well I, and I don't have any uh, analytical evidence to uh, back up what I'm about to say, but I I believe it uh, almost as I believe the sun rises every day. I think part of the reason why the NBA was so quick to bring the Bobcats and get NBA back here was because there was a fear that baseball. I think it was hockey. Well, m- baseball or hockey. I think it was baseball. Uh, or hockey might have been an argument, but that one of those was going to come in here first. I just think you look at the city of Charlotte, and 10 years ago, you looked at it in the same vein that you saw Indianapolis with two major sports teams. And the way it has grown, the way the infrastructure has grown, the way business has grown, it's a big league city. I think it's time to get Eric Spanberg back. It is, I, I think you're right. I think we need to get Eric gonna, Spanberg I'm gonna, I'm gonna back. I'm going to put the— uh, This is a good discussion. I'm going to put the— uh, I like that. The, uh, the Batman signal up for uh, Eric Spanberg. The I like Spanberg that. signal. I like that. I think that's a good idea. This is the Bearded Carcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Glad you're with us. We have only a limited amount of time left. I think that was a really good discussion about Charlotte sports and the climate of Dave Tepper and the Panthers and MLS coming. There are a couple of other things I want to hit in. The immediate thing is our NFL picks. Both of us have been solid, if not spectacular, this year. And it's another big game for your Patriots this week. And the last couple of big games have not gone particularly well, no. well for the Patriots. Well, well, I was riding the Patriots hard. Uh, I I probably should have gone more uh, with brain and not heart last week uh, on that pick. Um, it, I'll tell you what. I do. I still believe very strongly in a couple things with the Patriots. One, obviously, coaching. Number two, still very good sound defense. I think better than that. I think they have an yeah, excellent, excellent defense. defense. Uh, it is concerning that the the offense still is is kind of mired no good in players. mediocrity. The offense has no good players. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> I, I, I think so. Like I, I, I'm not kidding. Every time I log on to Twitter or ESPN.com, it is funny though that everyone is like, "Is this the end of Tom Brady?" And the- I, I still think there's a chance that Antonio Brown is going to return or something is going to happen. Like, I still think they're one offensive player away from being the best team in the NFL. Well, what's interesting about that, it's funny you say that because from if, if you could just block out everything else, um, you know, obviously no-brainer bringing A.B. back. But 
Yeah, you can't. <laughs> no. It's like, I mean, like, I think this is the ultimate. I think goal. I have a better chance of being a wide receiver for the Patriots down the stretch. I don't know. You're Bill Belichick and you're Tom Brady, and you you're going. We you have a Super Bowl winning Brown defense. You just can't. I mean, the trade unless, deadline unless is gone. The, the only way you could bring him back, in my opinion, is if somehow he gets exonerated for you know all that off-field stuff. And I just don't know if that's a possibility. This is the perfect Patriots week. They're at home. They're a three-point favorite over Kansas City. Kansas City is the team the Patriots always beat. They're but but they're playing much better than the Patriots. They have the better quarterback than the Patriots. They look the part right now. Everyone wants to now say the Ravens are clearly the best team in the AFC and the Chiefs are the next best team. And then kind of a distant third is the Patriots. The Patriots have lost back-to-back weeks. They've looked bad back-to-back weeks. This is the classic. Oh, like, this is the classic oh, Patriots win by 10. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. but like... If you have sat and watched the games, if you had looked at it and thought about it, it's hard not to go. Golly, you know Patrick Mahomes is going to get his 24 points or yeah. 21 points or 28 right. points. The question How is, are can the Patriots, Patriots score? score enough? Right, like, right, like, right. like I, I think watching this year says, got to like Kansas City. Watching the last 15 years tells you, you really, with their backs up in the wall, going to pick against those guys? So who are you picking? I'm going to I'm gonna take the Patriots uh, at home. Somehow that feels like the wise pick to me. I, I think it's one of those games that in Vegas, every Tom, Dick, and Harry is going to take Kansas City. Yeah. You want to be on the opposite side of those guys. When the Stooges go one way, you want to go in the other direction. Uh, hopefully I'm with the Sharps on this one. I, th- I think there's a pretty good chance of that. I like New Orleans this week against San Francisco. San Francisco might be the best team in the NFL, but this is a third consecutive, really difficult test for them. And I think New Orleans is is polished up and ready to go laying less than a field goal at home. I like them a little bit as my pick of the week. Mike, before we go, we haven't talked an enormous amount about college football. But this is the weekend in college football. You get the ACC championship game here in Charlotte and the SEC championship game in Atlanta, the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. This is the week that when people talk about expanding the playoff, they talk about getting rid of. So there are kind of three thoughts here. You know Andy Jones, our our good friend who was a part of the podcast several years ago when we went to Richmond. He has been anti-expanded playoff since the beginning. He told me the day they announced that they were going to a four-team playoff, This is going to kill the regular season. He texted me like Monday morning, and he's just like, so now we have Clemson playing Virginia. Clemson's in the playoff regardless. Game doesn't matter. We have Ohio State playing Wisconsin. Doesn't matter. Ohio State's in the playoff anyway. And we've got LSU playing Georgia. LSU goes anyway. We've screwed up the entire system. This is a mess. Then Dan Wetzel, who wrote the Death to the BCS book, says this weekend is full of it. This should be the first week of the playoff. This should be the quarterfinal round with eight playoff teams. I was talking to Damon Amendolara on CBS Sports Radio this morning about what do you do with this week? And it's complicated. Damon likes the four-team playoff thinks a six-team playoff might be a good idea, thinks if you go eight, it gets watered down. I think if you have six and you allow one team from each of the five power conferences and then you have a wild card team, a, a, a non-power five team, you end up with a problem because who do you, what how if how the do you second or third or fourth though? best team, well, I mean, the same way you do now, I guess, but but... That doesn't allow for a second SEC team when very frequently that's justified. So what's the best system? Well, I would prefer a 16-game system, but I think the eight-game system is probably the, the next realistic jump up. And for that very reason, you get the Power 5 teams in. You can allow uh, one of the gang of five or whatever they call themselves 
uh, and, and then you allow two wild cards. Is that the thing with Alexandria Octavio Cortez? No, 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 <laughs> no what, you know, like the, uh, the American, yeah, I know, you know, the, yeah, I know you're getting your politics, your political jokes in, no whistleblowers here, by the way, <laughs> uh, and we're not, um, and Dave and I are not on any congressional committees today, so unfortunately, uh, we're, we're not voting. Well, no, we're not, um, I, the, so we're not you, refusing to testify. If either. you went 16 team playoff, do you believe that? Well, what are they doing? Uh, FBS is it, uh, or the FCS is that? Is that that's sixteen, isn't it? Uh, no, it's twenty four. Yeah, yeah that might it's be too eight much. buys, yeah. eight home games, eight road games. It's twenty four. Yeah, no. Uh, what I like about the eight, Dave, is 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 what I just said. I, I and look for sixteen. There's going to be an appetite for that. Well, you see, I think you're right, and here's why: if you go sixteen team playoff. We're talking about the borderline teams being Notre Dame, Minnesota, Michigan. I'd happily watch them play in a playoff game. You tell me this week it's LSU and Michigan? Great. Sure, right. I don't think that's watered down at all. And and you get to throw in, you know, maybe a Cincinnati gets in. 100% you know? or, or Memphis. And, and then it brings in – or Memphis, right. Memphis is having a great year. And then you bring in that – I mean, it's not the same feeling, but a little bit – Okay, but what about the Andy Jones argument that you go 16 teams and now the regular season is meaningless because Michigan's in the playoff, Ohio State's in the playoff, yeah, Minnesota's in the playoffs, Wisconsin's no, in the playoffs. I, I think that's easy. Um, at least the first round I would do on campus sites. Okay. At the very least. Maybe even – or maybe if you go uh, to – or maybe you go to like a 10 – Instead of a twelve, and maybe you do a couple of buys, like so. So, g- give advantage to teams to still play hard. Are you interested in the games this week? I mean, here in Charlotte, we got a game right here. Virginia's getting twenty nine points against Clemson. Interested? Yes, because I'd love. I, and I'm not rooting against Clemson, but I'd love to see uh, Dabo Sweeney's press conference uh, <laughs> after a loss. But but like the, no, in all seriousness, the game itself is no, not this isn't, compelling. This isn't a compelling game. No, but what about the Big Ten? No, game? the Big Ten. I think Wisconsin is, and Ohio yeah, State. I that's mean, compelling. the first time they played, Ohio State blew the doors off. Right. Of Wisconsin. And if you like offense, Oklahoma Baylor. I mean, now that one is sort of interesting in the sense that the winner, particularly if it's Oklahoma, has a legitimate claim right. to the number yeah. four spot. Sure. So so that one does have some interest but how much more interest would there be if it was a true playoff game well and the bigger question is um right can you sacrifice that i mean i know there's there's a we're in the mid-major level low low uh mid-major level where team wins the conference tournament they go to the ncaa tournament um so maybe under that that would be an interesting model maybe is you know whoever wins the conference going to give every conference a berth? No, no, no. I mean like in the Power Five. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. Like, I just don't see why fewer is better. Like, every NFL playoff game, even if one of the games is a mediocre Philadelphia or Dallas makes the playoffs this year, they get to host a playoff game against San Francisco or Seattle. Who's not? Well, the, the, the biggest that. loser to a, a college football playoff system, I think, expanded would be college basketball. Cause Why? Because you, you might take away some of the interest from the December basketball. Now, that's where matchups have to be pretty important. I mean, it's once a week. They're going to play the playoff games on Saturday. No one's watching but, but, college but basketball anyway. But we have a finite space to for information. I know people think it's infinite, but and it may be infinite, but I think everybody has their own circle of, of how much time they dedicate to paying attention to stuff. And I think college football playoffs would, would suck some of the time out of what people are paying yeah, attention to. I, I don't. I mean, you may be right. I think it's no, irrelevant. No, I am right. People are going to watch college basketball in March. That's when they do. Right. I mean, like – you and I might watch a game last night. I was kind of shocked to see Virginia get their doors yeah. blown off last night. North Carolina minus a guy didn't look very good last night. How about two nights ago? How good did Duke look at Michigan yeah. State? That's the same Duke team that I don't want to say they struggled to beat Winthrop, but it was a close it was, game. Yeah, it was a competitive game after losing to Stephen F. Austin. It really appears to me college basketball right now. Not only is one to twenty pretty close. Right. 
One to forty well, or fifty Georgetown? is pretty close. With everything that Georgetown's had to go through. Yeah, they, there's Didn't actually they beat Oklahoma. There's a lot of interesting things going on in college basketball right now. Charleston Southern beat Missouri yeah. last night. There, there are a lot of interesting things going on in college basketball. But there's no Zion Williamson and there's no super team, and I don't think anyone's going to pay attention until March. And I think that's generally the case. I'm going to enjoy it in the meanwhile, but but I don't think the masses care. Fair enough. We've done it again. What episode number was this? Fifteen, season three. Three times fifteen is forty-five. No, we do well. No, because there are some some seasons we again have, our math yeah, not not not, yeah. not great. But I, I tell you what, if you go to SoundCloud, you can listen to every single one of them. That's right. Now, thankfully, we don't have enough listeners that I can actually count them, and it's a very low number. So that that's math we can handle. Maybe we can increase those. No, but our total number of listeners over the three seasons is starting to look like a good number. Is it more or less than all of the people? that have attended a Coastal Carolina road basketball game this year? Ooh, that's a good question. Coastal Carolina has played nine basketball games. Yes. Eight of them have been at home. Well, and they hosted that tournament, their too. their one road game was at Delaware State with an attendance of 191. So when they come to the Winthrop Coliseum Saturday to renew a rivalry, it'll yeah. be the 83rd all-time meeting. The teams have not played in 1,388 days. They will see 20 or 30 times yeah. the number of road crowd that they've seen in a game this year. Yeah, so hopefully uh, you can come on out to Winthrop Coliseum, see a good basketball game, and get actually, rowdy. Actually, should be a really yeah, good I think game. it will be a good basketball game. I'm, I'm actually... Looking forward to it, um, and I think it's it's great that uh, that Pat Kelsey, Winthrop's head coach, and uh, Cliff Ellis, the, the venerable, the venerable Cliff Ellis. Oh my God, what's his his? Um, what I read the other day, he's the first coach in Division One history to have 170 or more wins at four different Division One institutions. Exactly, he has been coaching college basketball for 45 years. Winthrop coach Pat Kelsey is 44 <laughs> years old. Cliff Ellis has won 847 games though the NCAA yes. does not recognize all, all of them. <laughs> uh, it should be a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we can get uh, Cliff Ellis to sing a tune on the pregame Ooh, show. Oh, I hope so. That's it. That's it. We're done. Uh, send us uh, an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. We promise we'll read the emails next week. And uh, listen uh, on Stitcher now and send, leave us a review.